How's the Detroit Sports Podcast going? This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Hey everybody, this is Freddie Cohen of ESPN Radio. When I'm not talking about breaking news or breaking news on ESPN Radio, I'm always a fan and listen to the Detroit Sports Podcast, and so should you. You guys keep up the good work, man. Podcasts are the way of the future. Thanks, everyone, for downloading the latest edition of the Doc and Jock podcast. I am the Doc, John Macaroon. As you guys know, Adam is still in Brazil, so I brought in my friends. Adam Salgate and Vito Churko are here. We're going to have a great podcast recording. Again, I thank everybody for finding us, supporting us, and it makes it fun to be able to record with my friends and to be able to talk all things Detroit sports. Adam, Vito, what's happening? Going great. Thanks for having me here. I'm doing well. I wish I was in Brazil right now. I wish uh, Adam would have just snuck me into his suitcase or something, and I could have gone to Brazil with him. I would love to be there right now instead of in this cold weather. Just say that much. No doubt about it, man. The weather has been atrocious. Have you guys been weaving and dodging, dodging and weaving the potholes? A lot of people are talking about it. If you tune in this Saturday, we'll give our takes regarding Gretchen Whitmer, and she's trying to take money out of my boy's Vito's pocket. And when that happens... You know my man Vito is going to be pissed, so stay tuned for that. Maybe even an epic rant could be coming ahead this weekend on the latest edition of Two Bad Hombres. But uh, for me, so far so good. Traveling from Macomb to Sterling Heights back and forth, I haven't had too many problems. Just a little bit of slippage here and there, but thank goodness I'm making it around the roads pretty safe. Yeah, dodging and weaving, but I've been safe so far. How about you, Adam? It's good. Uh, my side roads in the town I live in, this is the only time of year they're actually flat when they're filled with snow and... You know, uh, filled with snow and ice. That's the flattest they are. You can follow Adam on Twitter at AdamJ3. He's a big supporter of the network. And like anybody else, if you're a big supporter, we'll invite you here. We're not exclusive. We like to have our friends here talking all things Detroit sports. And the biggest thing, obviously, that drives content, that drives discussion, is the Detroit Lions. Now, for me personally, I can't sit and watch the Combine hour after hour. My wife was looking at me going, dude, this is what they do. They just run around and people sit and devote hours and hours to watching uh, the numbers, weightlifting, running. Now, this year, people are commenting and noticing on the freakish athleticism of some of these athletes breaking records in terms of you know defensive ends and linemen running real fast. You have a bunch of people that are really breaking some solid numbers, and some people have moved up the board. That's kind of what I look at as I read the articles, and I read a little bit about uh, what's been happening in terms of some local guys like a Chase Winovich, uh, like a Rashawn Gary, what they're saying and doing and things like that. So that's how I, I take in the combine. But for the Lions, obviously people are kind of peeking into whether or not they're serious about Kyler Murray, the quarterback, uh, when his height was revealed, everybody was like, okay, he's 5'10", so he can legitimately be drafted. The Lions did actually take the time to interview him. But I think right now where people's attention is in regards to the Lion is the New York Giants decided that, you know what, a 25-year-old safety, a guy that uh, is going to be probably asking for a ton of money on the free agent market, Landon Collins, uh, they said, you know what, we're not going to franchise tag you. We're going to let you go free and clear. And right away, people were like, damn, 
him. Man, the Detroit Lions should go and pick him up right away. You know, don't look at Trey Flowers. There's been some a little bit of hesitation because the natural thought is if the Patriots don't want you, why would you then be on the market in that kind of thinking? is like if the Patriots don't want you and they're not going to retain you, something might be up, and Trey Flowers is going to be asking for like $17 million per season. Now, Landon Collins is a safety, and I do think there could be a legitimate uh, bidding war for his services because he fits in perfectly. I think that he's a guy that is in his prime, a really talented individual, a guy that can be an impact uh, impact player similar to Snacks, uh, what he did for the Detroit Lions defense. So obviously the Detroit Lions and others are interested in his services. And one, Eric Ebron, comes out on Twitter. And nowadays, which I like on Twitter, being that I'm on there almost all the time. You're a Twitter addict. Come exactly. on, more than that, Twitter addict. And so Eric Ebron tweets out to Quandre Diggs, who had earlier in the day tweeted to Landon Collins and said, hey, you know, there's a spot open here in Detroit. Eric Ebron's like, no, nobody wants to be part of that. Patriot way bullshit come to the Colts and I'm looking at that and I'm like holy cow there's a bidding war and Eric Ebron even though he's left continues to poke and prod and kind of make fun of the Detroit Lions so I want to get your guys sense if you're Landon Collins I want to ask you this okay you're wanted you're going to be in demand you're going to be a guy that people are going to want to go to now you have a couple different options so would it be a situation in which you go to the team that gives you the most money or do you also take into account winning because when you add the layer of, okay, if you're Landon Collins, would you go to the Colts or would you go to the Detroit Lions? And, and I'm a Lions fan. Everybody knows that the Doc is a staunch Lions fan. I, I watch every game. I complain a lot about him, but I watch every game. But if I'm advising Landon Collins, he comes to me, we're having some bourbon, and he's like, Doc, what do you think? I'm telling him, look, man, if you come to the Lions, the money probably will be good. You'll be treated fairly. But the odds of you seeing a ring... Not that good. I'd probably go to Indy with a quarterback like Andrew Luck, a former backup quarterback that now is looking like he's trending to be an elite coach in Frank Reich. I think that situation looks a little better. I'm advising Landon Collins, bro, go to Indy. Don't come to Detroit. What do you guys think? Is Landon Collins worth this much attention? And should he should he consider coming to Detroit and helping out? I'd love it. I literally would flip. I think he'd be good. He would fit into Patricia's system, but I don't think that... I just, right now... I'm kind of negative. I'm skeptical. I don't feel like good things are happening for the Lions. I feel like they got to go out to get talent. They got to go out and get guys and way overpay for them, which might hurt the cap situation. I like Stafford, but I love Andrew Luck. And if I'm Landon Collins looking to win in the near future, I would go to Indianapolis. No doubt about it for me. How about you, Adam? Uh, see, now I'm the Lions homer. Uh -huh. and I'm sitting here going, I want him here selfishly. So if I'm talking to him, come to Detroit, buddy. Your boy Snacks is here. We got Canard. Uh, you know these dudes. Let's get let's get it going. Let's get it going. He knows them, but then I look at Manny Machado bringing up a baseball perspective here. The White Sox signed all these dudes for him, his buddies, his brother-in-law even, and Manny Machado said, hey, no way am I going to the south side of Chicago. He spurned them and went to San Diego for the brighter lights, California, the better weather, and... Maybe a little bit more money, not much more money. So that's the thing, too. Now, Landon Collins might be getting recruited by a ton of teams. He probably will, right? He's an all-pro right. safety and whatnot. But if the Lions only offer a little bit more money, let's say, is it really worth it to go to that organization in Detroit that hasn't won? Hasn't even reached the Super Bowl, uh, won six games last year. A lot of players have come out and said they don't like playing for Matt Patricia. Is he even really a head coach? Will he last past this upcoming season? where it looks like there might be a little bit more stability moving forward in the front office in Indianapolis, but also with their head man in Frank Reich. So if I'm looking at that and looking to win, which he wasn't doing with the Giants at all, uh, you going to the Lions doesn't really improve your chances of winning. By a little bit, I think. I think Stafford's better than Manning at this 
uh, point in their respective careers. But overall, I was looking at their rosters, Lions roster, Giants roster, there's not a huge discrepancy, I think, in talent or difference in talent. Where you look at the Colts and the Giants head-to-head as rosters and how they're aligned currently, the Colts are way up there compared to the Giants. And the Colts, with Andrew Luck healthy and a better and better O-line, which was better this season, you could argue with him playing defense, playing safety there for the Colts, you could argue the Colts become legit Super Bowl title contenders, Adam. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with the take that the Colts probably have the higher talent pool. I I was high on Stafford going into last season. He, I don't know what was going on with him, but I am way down. I'm ready to move on, essentially. You are, so after one bad year, because I look at it like he regressed. He did. Right. But really, outside of this past season, Adam, can you really name one season where he was horrible? Or at least as bad as this past season. You really can't, besides for what, his first season maybe, right. or second season in the league. Yeah, and I don't, you can, let's just toss those out. I mean, because it might not be fair to really rank those in. But I think, why am I ready to move on from Stafford? I just feel like his leadership maybe is getting lost in what's happening with other players out there. Like, it, it doesn't seem like he has that fire. Now, I don't want to get into the whole concept of what he says to the media because I kind of respect the fact that he's just kind of chill when it comes to the media. But I tell you, like, what happens on the sidelines, what happens out there, I don't feel like he's in charge. I just don't anymore. What's been your relationship with the Detroit Lions? Because there's probably a line that people are at, whether you are just a diehard fan, whatever they do is great, or whether you sit back and go, you know what, it's great to be a Lions fan. I'm from the area, but you know what? Being a Packer fan is much more rewarding. Some people take on B teams. What's been your relationship being a Lions fan? How do you handle it? Funny thing, when I was young, Packer fan. I had a Packer oh, starter jacket. Of course. I was a Brett Favre guy. A Brett Favre? Favre. Oh. Big, <laughs> big time Favre. So. <laughs> he had that coming. I knew that was going to be coming. So, like, during my youth growing up, I was I was a Packer fan. When they won the Super Bowl, Desmond Howard returning on the kickoff. I loved it. Oh, no! <laughs> everything so as i you know got as in my early 20s that's when i started watching alliance basically when you could almost like consider them the dumpster fire of the nfl and so i've kind of like started gaining more interest and so that's who i follow now solely is the Lions. that is my relationship so i'm a generally a very optimistic person on pretty much everything so every year when fall rolls around and the leaves are falling, I'm feeling good about their chances. It's the same for like the Tigers, even if they're going to rebuild. I'm looking at it going, well, you know, if uh, Moore has a decent year as a starter, maybe they got something cooking. I don't know. Oh, Adam, the Lions <laughs> love fans like you. You're like, every year, there's a chance, baby. Yeah. Whereas uh, guys like me are like, look, they got a chance if they build probably the best defense in the history of the world. That would require <laughs> them getting Trey Flowers. That would require them getting Landon Collins. That would require them, you know, getting lucky in the draft with whoever they select. But the skeptic in me says, look, you know, if Trey Flowers goes to the Bears, boom, he's going to be an all pro. He comes to the Lions, we'll blow his ACL out and we'll be a nobody. Yeah. If uh, Landon Collins comes here, boom, he'll be a guy that. Uh, uh, will be okay, but won't be as good as the guy that decides to go somewhere else. And that's why I just something just has to happen in the coming years for me. In that, people will say, oh, you're not a real fan. I lose followers at a big rate, really, during the Lions season. Uh, it's kind of equal in that I gain a lot of followers and I lose a lot of followers. But really, my skepticism is that when you take into account the entire history of the Lions, how can you sit back and just be undyingly loyal and just be like, the, the Detroit Lions are great. They're going to come back. They're actually going to do it. I think more people realistically should take the approach of, you know what? Show me something first, and then I'll jump on the bandwagon because the organization just, 
lets everybody down. I mean, we've been broadcasting and podcasting since 2013, and there hasn't been a meaningful situation where you could jump out of your seat and make a video that could go viral where you're screaming and ho- hollering and rooting and hollering for the Detroit Lions. Just bad memory after bad memory after situations with, you know, Eric Ebron and bad draft picks and, you know, Bob Quinn missing on some important guys. I mean, you could have had Kareem Hunt. You could have yeah. drafted, you know, yeah. Alvin Kamara. So it's a tough situation being a Lions fan. That's why I'm I'm needling Landon Collins and going, bro, you know, Eric Ebron, while he is a little bit of a diva, while he is a little bit butthurt and on Twitter, kind of keeping, you know, a situation in which you've had a good year and now you're still complaining about the Lions, I'm poking him and I'm going, you know what? Part of it's true. The culture with the Lions, I still think in 2019, is a losing culture. I don't know how you change it, especially when, I don't know if you guys saw, Glover Quinn goes on a podcast. And it's like, if you listen to it, he, he comes out and he's like, you know, prior to the 2018 season, I kind of wanted to be released. I wanted to be not part of the team. And the Lions were like, no, stay. You know, they tried to convince him. And that's why part of the reason he didn't have his best year was he kind of, you know, was a step slow. He kind of knew that the writing was on the wall. He was going to be gone. So it's just with the Lions, if they should go left, they go right. If they should go right, they go left. And if something is staring them right in the face, they don't do it. So he would have rather had been unemployed than play on an NFL team. I mean, think about that, what it screams to you about the Lions and where they stand among these NFL players that are, are looking for employment. Think about that, Adam, right? That is, that is a fair point. So to me, I agree with what you're saying. These players, they are what they are, but I don't know. I'm a homer. I am that homer. I am the Kool-Aid drinking. Let's set it up. Let's get in the, you know, I've got my blue glass and set up right Sunday morning, ready to go for the one o'clock game. Uh-huh. So no matter what, I mean... There's you're a, always viewing the Lions with a lot of optimism, and you're just a staunch Lions fan. Right, and but I mean, I'm not blind to the idea that, you know, I, like I said, I'm ready to move on from Stafford. Just because, you know, I want him to succeed, and just because I think he could still get us into the playoffs and win a playoff game, I'm not ready to say anything about him winning a Super Bowl unless he's got that, God knows, like, that awesome defense. I'm not ready to go that far. I just simply think there's optimism, and that's how that's how I look at it. I'll ask you this. Are you guys ready to commit to watching a defensive team, a team that if they ever were to get to the Super Bowl, might likely have the goal of winning like the Patriots did 13 to three in a tight, you know, tight game defensively. Are you guys okay with that? Because obviously when you look at what they're saying publicly, now it could be different. They could air it out a little bit more if they get a big name receiver in the draft or through free agency. Are you okay with the fact that, you know, they might not win you know, going forward in 2019, 2020, the sexy way like the Rams, they might be in line to kind of want to win 17 to 13 like the Bears. Are we ready to kind of watch a little bit less entertaining football if it results in wins? I'm a W guy. I don't care. Adam's like, give me yeah, a W. Yeah, just get it done. The Bears defensively last year got Khalil Mack. Yeah. Their defense really ran the course and allowed them to win the division, right? Yeah. It was all about their defense. Other teams maybe were more talented offensively. Uh, the Vikings, the Packers, for sure, with Rodgers, if he was more fully healthy, let's say. And even with them, I think, at half health, right, half full health, they were better offensively than the Bears. But the Bears, the new head coach, and the quarterback was decent Mitchell Trubisky. It was their defense that led them all the way to the playoffs, you could argue. And what, they missed a field goal, would have advanced as well. So you look at the defense there, it got them W. So I'd be more than fine with the Lions building up that D and having a decent quarterback, which is the case with Stafford, by the way, right. and having a better ground game, which maybe you do if Kerryon Johnson is healthy and you complement him with a better back than LeGarrette Blunt, who's more in his prime, maybe through the draft uh, this uh, April. You know what? You'd be all right, I think, moving forward, and you could win some games more consistently, Adam. 
Real quick, like, do you guys carry on? We don't got to get into it too deep, but are you worried at all about his uh, load, the load he can manage? Because I I worry a lot, and I think they might take a running back in this draft if there's a decent one in that second or third, or, or they might go f- try to find somebody. I'm kind of upset they didn't go after Kareem Hunt. Well, I'm a guy that's all about managing loads. I love loads and managing loads. Um, but anyways, I think you do need to compliment your number one back. And you know what? If you can get another young back... I think that'd be even better than a veteran presence because we saw with LeGarrette Blunt, he was decent, but he's past his prime, right? I mean, there's yeah, a reason why sure. all these other teams passed on him. And it seems like the Lions, a lot of times, or in the past even, have gotten guys past their primes. Yeah. Damian Woody comes to mind. Dre Bly was still good, but maybe not as good. Uh, other guys you can name off right right away that I'm forgetting right now that were good guys in the past, maybe pro bowlers, but once they came to the Lions, they weren't in pro bowl shape anymore. The Lions tend to have a history of going after guys with a history of injury problems. And what happened in Carrion's first year, he was great. Everyone was like, oh, this guy got a 100-yard rushing game. He seems like he can break tacklers. And what happens? His season is cut short due to injury. So, of course, I'm concerned and very nervous about what he can do in the future. He's got to show that the biggest strength that NFL players have is availability. Yeah. If you're not on the field, then the investment is going to be, you know, it's going to go nowhere. And that's why I think people were clamoring for a cream hunt, but it's just not going to happen. They literally are going to probably go with uh, a veteran and uh, Zach Zenner. That's what stinks is that, you know, with the Detroit Lions is I do think, and that's why I asked the question, I think they're going to sacrifice a little bit of weapons on offense and really build for the defense. I think that's what Matt Patricia believes. He thinks that, you know what, despite the trend of the NFL going towards a more offensive league, Defense wins championships. Defense travels. If you can build that system, look. If if we win the game six nothing, we still hold the Lombardi Trophy, and who he he won't care. He won't care what podcasters like me think about it. But it'll be a grind because our blood pressures are going to go up. It'll be less entertaining. I mean, the thing I've been screaming about for the last four seasons is like, man, they've taken Matthew Stafford and turned him into a checkdown quarterback. This yeah. is boring as shit, and especially when they're losing. And uh, looking at the lines. Look, if they're going to lose, I'd rather be entertained than lose the game 27-24 as opposed to, you know, losing contest 9-6 to where your offense can't score. So it's just like I said, I'm skeptical. I'm nervous all the time. Uh, look at the schedule coming up this year. I think the ceiling for them is still 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven with the schedule upcoming. They got some big teams coming in, and they play the Chiefs. So there's some uh, watershed games where you can kind of compare and see where you're at in the NFL. In terms of what you guys saw from the Combine and what you're reading, Many people are kind of saying, well, based on what's shaken out, maybe the Lions realistically could trade down this year. Is there a player that you absolutely love from the Combine or that you see in the draft or that you've read about that could maybe help the Lions? Are you involved with the tight end? Do you think that they definitely need uh, an edge rusher, uh, maybe a guy like a Montez Sweat? Do they need somebody? Do they take a chance in a flyer on a quarterback? What do you guys think? is the best situation for the Lions to handle and do in the NFL draft? Do you think they should trade down? Is there a player that they absolutely, you think, if they got, would improve the situation? I mean, Montez Sweat, of course, was a Spartan, but he smoked a little too much herb, and uh, he got kicked off, and uh, he wowed at the Combine. And that's a guy that's kind of inching his way up that uh, you know ranking board and things like that. I don't know if he's going to be high enough to be at number 8. But for me, I'm uh, like, like I said, there's nobody for me that screams, oh my God, you got to take him right now. Well, I like tight, tight ends, but I don't like a tight end for the Lions right now. And honestly, I look at that where they're drafting, too, and you drafted Eric Ebron rather recently, and what happened with him? Now, I don't know. It was a bunch of circumstances for why he didn't, you know, 
turn out to be a solid tight end with the Lions, and he fizzled out, went to the Colts, and now he's this all-pro guy or a pro bowler. So, I mean, you're going to go down that route again and get a guy that maybe doesn't fulfill his full ceiling with the Lions. And I guess the thing, though, at the same time is is that you can't always think like that and think negatively, that every single guy that you draft isn't going to turn out with the Lions to be solid and they move on to another organization, and then they're all right. It's not always going to be the case, right? right? So you have to take the chance at times and say, F it or forget it, right? Because like with Kelvin Johnson, remember? They landed on him eventually. It took them how many you know uh, turns with drafting wide receivers in the first round until they resulted with that great of a pick. So I, I guess there's that example right there, example A, where you can make the mistakes with the same position, but if there's still that really high-end dude there, right there in your spot to where you're drafting, I think you go ahead and draft him potentially. But the thing is, is Iowa tight end now? Is he that guy? you got to be really certain because if not, you know, Bob Quinn's leash right now as GM of the Lions, I don't think is that long of a leash. I think if they fail miserably this season in year number 200, Matt Patricia, that Bob Quinn's out of a job in Patricia as well. So I don't know if it's worth the risk this year to take a tight end that high in the draft. Yeah, I wouldn't go tight end. We don't have a tight end, but I wouldn't pick one in the draft yeah. at eight. Um, Greedy Williams, I don't know if he's going to be there, but I would I would go D. I'd go D and put him right along next to Darius Slay. And if you can sign Landon Collins or maybe Trey Flowers, I, I never really have thought of myself as a defensive guy, but I tell you what, like I look at that and it's like, if everybody stays healthy, that could be major shutdown D. Interesting you mentioned Kelvin Johnson because I think a little bit about Kenny Galladay and whether or not he can be like at that people nickname him they think he's going to be great at that Johnson level he'll never be that level but even if he could be a little bit of it if he doesn't get some help along the way like bigger help he can't I don't think he could handle the type of Kelvin Johnson treatment I don't think he's got that skill set and so therefore is wide receiver on the board at eight is there a guy I'm not too sure I don't know all the names but I would hope not but Stanford's had the help in the past and I know people that are negative about Stafford's play in this past season specifically have brought that up against him. Yeah. That, hey, he's had Golden Tate, he's had Kelvin Johnson, he's had the 4,000, 4,500-plus 4, yeah. passing yard seasons, right, in his past. thing is, the Lions haven't won anything. They haven't won a playoff game. So even when they've had the good offenses, you haven't been winning consistently. You haven't won a playoff game. So how about you build up the D? Build up that line. Build up the secondary. Landon Collins is out there. Draft a top-notch defensive lineman. Uh, Rashawn Gary. Yeah. Uh, a guy that can play DM, play linebacker like Chase Winovich. I mean, those are Michigan guys that I can think of right away because I love Michigan. I cover Michigan and whatnot, so I know those dudes. And they had good combines, good 40s and whatnot. They impressed. How about those dudes that are out there that are big alignment that can run as well? I think the Lions need that a lot more and then need the help for the secondary as well, Adam. Yeah, I agree with that. And the secondary help. I mean, if you get Landon Collins, maybe you can not look at – maybe you could skip over a cornerback draft uh-huh. and you look at that D lineman edge rusher. What if they sign both Collins and Flowers? Why not go for it? Because I think Patricia wants to get in Quinn's respective jobs around the line this season. So why not go for it all? And the Lions have never really gone for it all. They've tried maybe a little bit here and there recently. But you've never done anything big. You've never made a Super Bowl. How about you go for that Super Bowl? I know you're only 6-10. and You're not expecting that to happen probably in the back of your heads. But go for it. You would accept all these Lions fans, all these Lions fans like you, Adam, that keep, you know, supporting the team no matter what. Pretty much. But wouldn't that excite you and everybody and bring in even more of an audience and a fan base for you as an organization? That's how I view it, guys. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's going to be a big draft because a lot of people are now starting to look upward, not even at Matt Patricia. They're starting to look at Bob Quinn. Yep. They're starting to fully evaluate what he's brought to the table, and many people are demanding a lot more, as they should, because he has missed on some guys that would have contributed. I think that in the draft, when you don't get a Kamara, 
you know, when you take a chance on a guy in the secondary, Tease Tabor, that's going to live for a long time. Second round picks are not things to be wasted, and you can't miss, especially when you're trying to win it all. Look, the Lions are trying, similarly like the Pistons, to not be irrelevant in terms of the ability to win. Okay, right now they're irrelevant. Nobody thinks, honestly, that they can win. Really, the fan base, unrealistically, will be ecstatic if they just win a single playoff game. Many people are saying that, hey, if Stafford can just get one playoff win, then, you know, he's going to have statues built. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Then you move into, okay, the spot where we can nitpick a little bit and say, how do you go from, you know, being irrelevant to being a team that can go from just making the playoffs to being consistent? Because you got to remember, there are coaches like Andy Reid who in Philadelphia made the postseason every year but then couldn't get over the hump. I just don't want to be teased anymore. I don't want to be... Teased Tabor? Yeah, I don't want to be teased by anybody. (laughs) I want a a clear-cut direction. I feel like they're just, you know, right now, honestly, if we were to peek into them behind closed doors, I think the current phase where they're at is, how do we get into the playoffs? I don't think they can build a Super Bowl-winning team when you don't go out and get a Kareem Hunt, when you don't go out and get an Antonio Brown, when you don't even make the call for a Le'Veon Bell. Those guys are talented. And yeah, they might have issues, but in order to win it all... To send the message that you're trying to absolutely do anything, no stone left untouched, we'll do anything to try and win. You don't keep Stafford, you don't make these picks, and you don't take this conservative approach where you believe that you have a 10-year window to try and build this thing. You don't. I think the fan base is ready now to really just uproot Matthew Stafford's home and and they'll pay for the moving. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So I just think with the Detroit Lions, that draft day, man, when that pick comes, if it's a tight end, I shudder to think what Adam's going to do. I think he's going to, uh, uh, Adam Straczynski, the jock, might destroy his whole house if uh, <laughs> if they draft the tight end because he was mad in, in regards to the Eric Ebron pick. Imagine if they do it again with a tight end. Winning teams don't build that way. So I'm skeptical, and uh, I just, I'm not hopeful that the Detroit Lions are going to do the right things. I just think that year two might be better than year one for Patricia. I just don't think it's good enough, especially, like you said, the Packers are going to get better. Uh, The Bears are where they're at. Minnesota probably can improve too. So it's going to be no easy feat to try and win that division. See, I think a little bit differently, though. I mean, I think they can flip the switch and make the playoffs because I don't think the division is that strong because Rodgers isn't at full strength. He might not be in his prime completely anymore. The Bears don't have a franchise passer, really, and Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think a lot of people view him as an elite franchise guy or even as a traditional franchise guy, let's say. I think he is helped out by that defense and the rest of that team, and that's where you can bring up Stafford. Maybe the line's getting better defensively, and then they can make the playoffs. And the Vikings disappointed last year, too. So I could see this as a bounce-back season, but I really think they might need that to happen, too. Like, they might have to flip the switch completely and go 10-6 and six and make the playoffs. Now, I'm not going to say win a playoff game for Quinn and Patricia to keep their respective jobs. I don't think it would be that, because just making the playoffs would be nice. But you do want to get to the point where maybe after this upcoming season, you know, in 2020, let's say, they do win a playoff game. And then if that doesn't happen, well, then maybe, even if you made the playoffs in 2019, then Quinn loses his job at least. So I think a lot of is on the line to sum it all up in 2019, Adam. I'm talking, don't fucking <laughs> I would agree, yeah. There's a lot on the line, and I, I agree with you too, 100%. Like, they could make the playoffs. They, you know, injuries happen if they stay healthy, if Rodgers goes down again, if, if Kirk Cousins, you know. You're is it a, Kirk or Kurt? You always yeah, say that. It's funny. That? Nobody respects them. Nobody yeah. respects the guy. <laughs> so I, definitely I think they could make the playoffs, but, you know, End goal is, that's the only thing sometimes. People talk about the players not liking Patricia. Everybody's got the same end goal. So he works you a little harder. Get with it. Right. Let's go. It's the Patriots' win way. The they won. They just won a Super Bowl, right? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah.
Love talking Detroit Lions with you fellas. Stay with us after this quick timeout. We're going to come back. Big weekend in the Big Ten in the world of hoops. Michigan, Michigan State, as a result of Purdue's loss, Michigan State's win versus Nebraska. The winner likely has a strong chance to at least have a co-share of the Big Ten regular season championship. So Michigan, Michigan State, this Saturday, 8 p.m., is poised to be an epic matchup. I want to get these guys' sense of where they view college basketball. Are they into brackets? Are they uh, excited for March Madness? Because here we are, March, baby. I can't wait to talk about it. Stay with us. You're listening to Doc and Jock on the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. I want to thank the fine sponsors of the Detroit Sports Podcast Network, and especially Doc and Jock, the Motor City Pawnbrokers, and Podomatic. The Motor City Pawn Brokers are the one-stop pawn shop when you're in need of short-term cash or are looking for quality brand-name new and pre-owned merchandise. With locations in Detroit, Ferndale, Roseville, and Warren, their mission is to deliver exceptional value. For all things in regards to Motor City Pawn Brokers, check out and go visit MotorCityPawnBrokers.com. That's MotorCityPawnBrokers.com, the leading pawn brokers in the entire state of Michigan, guaranteed. If you're looking to start a brand-new project, fellas, If you're listening and you're like, wow, these guys sound fun, they're interesting, Vito and Adam and John, they're talking lions, that's my wheelhouse, I love this kind of thing, and you want to start a podcast, look no further than Podomatic.com. When I started this thing back in September of 2013, I was just looking for an easy platform to upload all this great audio, and thank goodness I googled easy way to upload podcasts, because the first thing that came up was Podomatic.com. So if you're looking to start a brand new project, a brand new podcast, don't miss out Don't record great interviews, great audio, and then have it go to a host site that crashes all the time. We've grown this network because we have a great host site, which means we take all of our audio and we quickly upload it to Podomatic. Even a guy like Vito with a low IQ and can't do nothing can easily upload all the podcasts that I tell him to do. and can do it in minutes, and it goes out to all the platforms like Spotify, Podomatic, Podbay, Stitcher, iTunes. Podomatic makes it super easy. I wouldn't have Vito do it if, if it wasn't easy. No doubt about it. So if you're starting a brand new podcast, all the hosts here on the network, we're going to recommend one host site and one host site alone, Podomatic.com. Adam, here's the funny thing, okay? Uh, if you follow our Twitter page, at Detroit Podcast, I think people know that it's somewhat sarcastic, it's funny, okay? But here's the best part. We really only have one person that challenges us in terms of the things that we do here, and his name is Steve, you know? So I put up on Twitter, on, on a post, and I put, I'm proud of Vito, bringing in more sponsors, keeping it real, only shows up early when he gets paid. Today, four minutes late, right? Does anybody go, man, Vito, you're such a slacker. Why do you do that to John? No. Everyone's liking it. Everyone's validating Vito. <laughs> Everyone's like, Thank yeah, everybody. Do, do your thing. This notion of anti-boss has got to stop. And one day, you know, the boss is going to chirp back and be like, look, come here early or I'm not paying you. I'm going to dock you because I always joke around with Vito. If I, and we just had this funny talk before we, we came back from break. If I would up Vito's percentage on commission, he'd show up early. No doubt about it. Hey, I'm a money man. <laughs> exactly. I'm all about the green, baby. And but, money, that is. Not marijuana. But, but anyways. But how is it supposed to make <laughs> me feel knowing that, you know, you'll be my friend if I pay you a little bit more? Yeah, you'll do what's, what's expected if I pay you a little bit more. You got to just be like, you know what? Do the thing that's expected. And, and guys like Brendan, don't like those kind of comments. Tell Thanks me you, Brendan. Step it up. Hey, keep liking it, Brad. All my buddies out there, keep liking it and making me look good and making John look bad. I do love that, too. 
I'll just say I drove two hours. I ain't getting paid anything. Exactly. So. That's impressive, Adam. Yeah. I give you credit for that because I can't give myself credit for that. I'm well. shocked. I love it. That's why I do this, man. <laughs> a guy like Adam comes in. You can follow him on Twitter at AdamJ3, doing great things. And uh, Adam Salgate is a great guy, big fan of the network. That's why I'm having him here all week long. You can hear uh, Adam on all the podcasts this week because, hey, if you show love to the network, uh, we're not shy to show love back, and it's awesome. I'm having a great time. I was just telling Vito, man, that Lions talk was great. And, and uh, honestly, it wasn't rehearsed. I just said, hey, we're going to talk Lions in Michigan State. And that's how I want it to be is uh, the initial premise of the network, for those that don't know, was Adam and I said, look, we'd go to the bar and shoot the shit and uh, talk sports anyway. Let's just record it. And that's kind of how I wanted it. It was just the the vibe of like, hey, two fellas shooting the shit, talking sports, and what would it sound like? And hopefully those that support us kind of get that vibe. Uh, guys, I can't wait for this Saturday, 8 p.m. It's going to be an epic matchup, I think. After Michigan State won on the road, it really sent shockwaves throughout college basketball because of the fact that most people, by and large, even the experts, me and Adam, everybody said, you know, it's probably not likely that Michigan State's going to go on the road versus a team with the quality level of talent as Michigan, but you give Tom Izzo time, you give him a week to prepare, and he came up with an epic defensive uh, scheme that allowed Michigan State to win. Now, can Michigan go on the road and return the favor? I think they're going to play a lot better than they did at home. I think they're going to go out to the Breslin with the intention of, hey, we're going to shoot lights out, and we got to definitely find ways to get more people involved. I don't think Jordan Poole is going to make the same mistakes as he made. I think more of the talent like Teske, Brisdakis, I do think that more of the fellas will be involved and make it a super close contest. Can, can the Wolverines come back and how epic is it going to be because it's shaping up that the winner the winner of the game Saturday is likely going to be at worst have a share of the Big Ten regular season so it makes the game epic eight o'clock national audience big time game how are you guys looking at it I really think Michigan has a great shot of bouncing back so even though I know it's on the road now going to the Bruslin on Saturday night it'll be tough to win that game and it's tough for both teams I mean look at it that way state is not uh, fully equipped so you look at that with the injuries, uh, lesson roster. I think it's going to be tough for State, even though they already won. They won on the road at Chrysler. I think to win again, to beat a good team like Michigan twice in the same season, when Michigan had its shooting woes that first time around. I mean, that's a large reason, along with Cassius Winston's great play, for why Michigan lost that contest against State the first time around. This time around, you would expect Matthews and Poole and Simpson and others to make more shots and Teske to be more pesky underneath the rim and to be more active and effective underneath the rim. So Brasdakis had a nice game. If he can even be more solid scoring the basketball, along with everybody else in the supporting cast helping him out with scoring the basketball, you've got to believe Michigan almost should be the favorite, Adam, in that game, even on the road. Yeah, I um, I don't know if there's numbers that really back it, but I feel like anytime Iggy's on, that team is on, and they're yeah. winning games, and they're controlling games. So if he if he's on and he's scoring points, they should be good. And you said uh, Simpson making shots. Are they going to be hook shots? Right, because that looked good too. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> You're throwing up a lot of hooks for a little guy. Got to toss them over the big dudes, I guess. So I, I'm excited for the Michigan game, I, Michigan-Michigan State game. It's going to be a good one. I don't know if Michigan's going to go in and get that game in an easy fashion, but they could win it. It's really, to me, it's almost a coin flip. I think it's a toss-up game. Johnny, how do you view I know you're a you know, Sparty Pride guy going to states, so you're biased here. But, I mean, how much of a likelihood do you give Michigan for pulling off this uh, so-called upset? 55%. I think okay. they have a little bit better chance. But here's the thing. Now we can talk about keys for Michigan State, which I love. 
Kenny Goins has emerged as a guy <laughs> that is coming across as a prototype guy from Tom Izzo, a guy that doesn't have as much talent going in, wasn't highly touted, but a guy that evolved and has been a guy that since uh, Nick Ward went down has been able to kind of help the team out, and he had a great performance versus Nebraska. He's definitely helping out the cause, and when you have a point guard like Cassius Winston, at any moment he can put the team on his back. But here's the problem. Here's the difference. All right, last time around Michigan State had the week off. This go-around they did play a game on Tuesday. How much will a game versus Nebraska, a game in which they dominated, how much will that impact Michigan State? Just a little bit. But uh, the big concern for us Spartan fans is, will Cassius Winston break down? Because he's been asked to to basically carry the load since uh, Nick Ward went down. And obviously he's playing a lot more minutes. And the majority of the offense is going to be counted upon Cassius Winston to distribute and make the shot. So for me, I just think that uh, the psychological edge goes to Michigan because they're going to be desperate not to lose to their rival twice. So I think they're going to hit key shots. And remember in that game, Michigan State really won through the defense, and they were able to stifle Michigan. Will there be opportunities for five-minute lulls again? I don't see it. And early in that game, uh, the first go-around, you saw Michigan, whenever Michigan State would be ahead and getting ahead by three or six, boom, there was a player making threes. And anytime a team is really you know, having the capability of getting hot, I'm nervous about it. I, I sit there and I go, oh my God, these guys can make threes from anywhere and even look late. Uh, Michigan State was up by you know nine or ten. All of a sudden, Jordan Poole is just shooting from you know five feet behind the three-point line and they're going in like it's nothing. So if they can step up early, if they can avoid foul trouble and they can find a way to you know offensively pick apart Michigan State, Michigan has a, a decent chance. Um, I don't think they're going to fade. I really think it's going to be another close game. If Michigan State's going to win, you got to, again, have contributions from Goins. you got to have contributions from Cassius Winston. I probably think he's going to need 25 points or more. You're going to have to have Michigan kind of makes mistakes and doesn't hit shots because if Michigan hits shots, forget about it. They'll beat anybody. And then Kenny Goins at 24-8 against Nebraska, great performance, but how repeatable is that? Because really that performance came out of nowhere and him shooting the three ball and executing as effectively as he did against Nebraska. I mean, can he replicate that on a bigger stage against Michigan in a much more crucial game? Or I guess that's crucial, maybe a little bit more crucial because the Big Ten title, right, is on the line, at least a share of it. So can Goings repeat that performance, Adam? Because that might be very key because of what John already had commented on regarding Cassius. All of this, you know, the pressure being on him and the expectations for him to carry the load offensively for Sparty. I mean, will he start breaking down a little bit? Has he shown that a little bit some wear and tear as the season has gone along? I heard that he was wearing heat pads on his knees in the last mm-hmm. game, and and didn't he play the entire Michigan game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so that's a that's a lot. I don't, you're a young man, but you know your body's gonna break down. I, uh, you mentioned like Michigan hitting shots, wasn't the? I read a bit about that last Michigan Michigan State game because I didn't get to watch it in great detail, but it sounded like the defensive plan that Izzo came up with was let them shoot, and we're not gonna worry about Teske, right? Exactly. It was a masterful performance in which. Uh, Michigan definitely went into some lulls offensively for well over five minutes. And uh, the other thing that was concerning was the the, the shot selection of Michigan. Yeah. It's unusual to see uh, really such poor shots because they weren't able to get inside as much um, early on. They weren't able to kind of dictate to Michigan State. It was Michigan State was able to dictate to them what they wanted to do. And yeah, and, and, and it's true. Contested shots are hard to make, so Michigan State's going to want to contest as many shots as possible. And Cassius Winston was just able to facilitate, uh, you know, off the screen and was able to distribute the ball right where it needed to go. And he was able to contribute with 27 points. So I was thoroughly impressed with that contest because you're like, wow, 
And, you know, the other no- keynote, too, in games like this, fellas, last game, Michigan State had less than 10 turnovers. I always complain, man, when you see me watching, you, should, you guys should come watch me uh, watch Michigan State games because when there are times when Michigan State plays bad, it looks like this. There are scoring lulls. Uh, there are shot after shot that don't go in. There are massive amount of turnovers, and you're just like, there are times where Michigan State looks like they've never had it and ran an offensive set properly in their life. And you're like, dude, you know, there are games literally where they have 20 turnovers. I remember games in the NCAA tournament when they could have advanced to the Final Four. I remember teams that were great, Middle Tennessee State. That game was horrendous. When Michigan State doesn't play good, all of a sudden it, it just seems like the pressure gets to them and they start throwing the ball all over the place. They have a lot of turnovers, and it's a situation in which they don't play good. So if they can limit the turnovers again, if they can have six to seven turnovers again versus Michigan, that would be awesome. Really quick, Mo Wagner, I believe, had 27 points last season at the Breslin to beat Michigan, uh, or to beat State. So how about Iggy Brzezakis having 20-something points to allow Michigan to pull off the road victory at the Breslin this time around on Saturday? So, I mean, could that be in store? And maybe Brzezakis really, I think he has carried a lot of the uh, load offensively anyway. So I think he's a huge key to Michigan getting it done on the road on Saturday. Yeah, I would say it'd be interesting to see if they make any counter uh, counterattack to the idea if they if Izzo runs the same type of D, let them shoot. If they try to get it into um, Teske more. All right, with that said, bottom line, who wins Saturday? Who you got? I'm going Michigan. Michigan, uh, Michigan, no doubt, John. Sorry, Sparty's going down. Hey, they already won once. Split the regular season series. That's good enough. They'll meet in the Big Ten tourney too, and then State will lose again. Shame on all of you. <laughs> Michigan's got to prove it to me. Uh, give me Michigan State by three. I think it'll be a close game with the uh, last possessions going to Michigan State. They'll hold on defensively. Remember, the game's at Breslin. That that fan base is going to be wild. Michigan beat State last year at Breslin. Come on. Mo Wagner, Brzezakis says Mo Wagner takes his role and dominates, scores 20-plus. Michigan pulls off the upset. Now, how do you guys handle the NCAA tournament? Do you take Thursday, Friday off? Do you make brackets? Uh, do you let your wife pick the brackets? Because a lot of times uh, women just seem to be able to just, you know, use colors and be like, okay, I think that, uh, you know, Middle Tennessee State will beat Michigan State because I like their color scheme better. And you're like, oh, my God, everyone's bracket was ruined. But for me, I fill out one or two bracket. I think this year maybe, Adam, you can join into the network uh, bracket where we fill it out. I think we have about 40, 50 people every year that get in the mix and we compete with each other. And uh, those that win uh, end up getting prizes or more airtime and things like that. So definitely get in the mix. The Detroit Sports Podcast Network does have a bracket. We do run it. So look for that. And you can uh, get any information on that from our Twitter page at Detroit Podcast. But, but for me, I'm not a guy that is just able to take a couple of days off, but I will, you know, maybe schedule like uh, not schedule times like from 12 to 2, peek, peek into the first couple contests, kind of get into the flow of it. I was able to watch the entire Middle Tennessee State game from the office. and Good boy, for you, Josh. If, you, if, <laughs> if you're a follower, you saw the video I posted live as the, the game wound down, and it was heartbreaking, man. But uh, I don't watch it that intently, but I do put in one bracket. That's the rule. One bracket. Do not fill out eight, nine brackets because then it cheapens your your uh, cheapens my thought of you in terms of your ability to successfully be in a bracket. Well, I don't have a wife. In fact, I don't have a woman or man that is a significant other in my life. So I have more time to fill out brackets. But do I tune in like the first day of the tournament all day long because I'm not at work? Uh, no, because I don't take off of work. I got to work because I'm broke. So I'm working. <laughs> I'm working regardless. How about you, Adam? Uh, I always fill out at least one bracket, even if it's just for myself. Uh-huh. I love the opportunity to um, have a rooting interest in every game. So, you know, it, when it's that 
matchup that you really don't know anything about. At least I picked somebody. So now I got a team to root for. Time off work. You know, there was a stretch in my 20s when I worked in a, a tennis pro shop and we had a TV. I literally would schedule myself Thursday and Friday to work just so I could have it on and work at the same time and do my thing. Because it's going to be a little bit slower, not a lot of yeah. people in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not, you know, the, the job wasn't really fast-paced or anything, so I had plenty of time to watch games. So, yeah, I do it all the time. And nowadays, I, <laughs> I do a lot of independent work outside of my full-time job. So I have scheduled Friday off of that week to watch more tournament games and do some independent work on the side. Are you a Michigan or Michigan State guy, by the way? I'm a Michigan guy. Okay. Um, it's influenced from my cousin, and my sister went to U of M Flint. So, okay. Yeah. So, a legit reason for it. I like that, Adam. Okay, guys, before we get out of here, we got to hit on some of the big stuff that we're hearing around the world of sports. So, real quickly, I'll ask your guys' opinion on these couple topics and I'll get your sense. Okay. Similarly, in line with college basketball, when Michigan State lost to Indiana, they stormed the court. And everybody was hooting, hollering, and things like that. Are you guys fans? Thumbs up or thumbs down on on storming the court after a win? I say no unless you're a small school team upsetting a big Power 5 school on the road. If you don't, or at home. If you don't do that, where it's like a in-conference rival, I mean, why are you storming the court? I don't care if you're Rutgers, you know, beating Michigan or something, or Michigan State. I don't think it should happen when you're in-conference rivals. It's hard to quantify, like, a... Uh, college students' passion, though, right? Uh-huh. So, I mean, do what you want. Just don't do anything stupid. Have right? you guys ever done it? I've no. never done it. No, I have not. I don't want to get killed. <laughs> Come on. I'm not doing it. No. All right. Bryce Harper signed a massive deal. We talked about it a little bit on Tiger's Talk, a podcast that airs Wednesdays on the network. What do you guys think? Was it a good signing for the Philadelphia Phillies to acquire Bryce Harper? For the Phillies, I mean, I know they were up and coming last last year. I don't know a ton about that team, but he seems like the kind of guy who has good influence around the league, whether or not it's going to be other free agents that come to mind. I love that he signed a long-term contract. I think that shows it's the opposite of what Kevin Durant's doing out in Golden State, where he's just signing a couple-year contracts and you know, then always being annoyed when people ask him about if he's signing on again. So I love that it's a long term uh, for the Phillies. I guess I can't really say, but I will say this. I looked up how long of a drive it is from my home to Philadelphia in case I want to go to a game because it does interest me a little bit more. And it's about 10 hours. So it sells tickets. Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies is box office material. Now, I would have gone for the opt out clause. So after five years, I would not have signed for 13 years on the dotted line committed to that long term of a deal. Now, from the Phillies' perspective, now Harper can maybe recruit the likes of Mike Trout when he becomes a free agent. And the Phillies, I know, have that aim in mind as well. He's a Jersey dude, likes the Phillies, grew up supporting the Phillies. So you land Harper, now you maybe can land Trout. Then you have a super team, perhaps, in baseball. So you know they're aiming for winning World Series titles. And they were on the edge of being a good team. Now they are a legit contender in the National League East division, John. The biggest story in the NBA, and we'll finish with this, has LeBron's legacy been tarnished? Can he still call himself the greatest of all time because of the season he's had in 2018-2019 with the Lakers? A season in which obviously was marred by injury, but now in the last few games you're starting to see LeBron not really show the level of effort that you would expect from a leader. Many people believe that he's gone in there and basically destroyed the whole locker room chemistry. Probably he's going to have Luke Walton fired, and many people are now pinpointing the reasons and the blame on LeBron James. Has his legacy been tarnished, or do you say, you know what? His first year, what'd you really expect? He's going to go in there and try and change the culture. He earns a pass for this year because dude's been in the NBA Finals for several consecutive seasons. Give the man a break. Do you blame LeBron or do you give him a pass? 
I blame LeBron because he needs to go in there and set an example. You can't just go in and loaf like a lot of people are saying that he's doing. And I'll say from my perspective as a casual NBA fan, my favorite thing is that LeBron went to the West Coast. I see less of him. I don't have to listen to him. I don't have to hear about him much. I'm only hearing about him now because his team's horrible and he's causing trouble. He hasn't been a great leader, so I've lost respect for him in terms of that, and I think his reputation as a great leader, if he was that, which I think he was viewed in that magnitude, has taken a shot, for sure. Now, as a legacy completely, and you know, specifically looking at this team and what they could have done, should have been doing this season, they should have been a playoff team. Now they're not going to even make the playoffs in the Western Conference. But let's say they would have made it as an eight seed. What is that good for when you're getting bounced in the first round by the Golden State Warriors anyways? So a slight tarnishing of his legacy, but not a huge, huge uh, black guy for his legacy because of the fact that realistically, once again, the Lakers would have made the playoffs this year as an eight seed. They're getting bounced in the first round. So I look at it as more of, in the big picture of his his leadership qualities taking a hit after this season when he has loafed, as you said, Adam, when he hasn't been the strongest vocal leader all season long. And you have young players are looking up to you as their role model. And what is the example that you're setting for them in practice on the floor when you're playing? Hasn't been a good example that he has set with that young locker room that uh, he is a leader of right now, Doc. With that said, fellas, good job. I really appreciate your guys' insight. Massively fun podcast. This hour flew by. I want to thank Adam. You can follow him on Twitter at AdamJ3. I want to thank Vito. Follow him at Vito Jerome. Follow the network at Detroit Podcast if you agree disagree, love, hate anything we've said, feel free. You can lob us a voicemail. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You can talk about anything uncensored about 90 seconds. It gives you that limit. You can call 248-579-8686, 248-579-8686. You can get in and get your platform heard worldwide. We air everything. We have no problem putting people over. We love the banter. Thank you so much for supporting the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Adam the Jock Strozinski will return next week. I've had a fun time, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Adios. Great fill-ins. Thank you, guys. This was locker room talk. Second dick. Sorry, Detroit. <laughs> Didn't quite work out. And I, all I can say is Detroit Sports Podcast scores. I have voices in my head. They counsel me. They understand. They talk to me. Yeah.